This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Jay Harwitz with the latest edition of the Amazing Mental on Mike podcast, and I'm really thrilled to have my old friend Howie Rose on. Howie, in, in sports... It's, it's always tough to replace a legend. Like, who's going to be replace Eli Manning as a quarterback? Replace Bill Parcells as a, as a coach? Forget my Giants references if you do. You, you <laughs> had to replace a legend in your field, Bob Murphy, an original Met. How tough was it for you when you took over, you know, as the voice of the Mets in 2006, you know, stepped in the radio booth? How tough was that for you to do? It was kind of complicated, Jay, but I'd had experience in that field when you think about it because when I started doing more and more games for the New York Rangers on radio, I was replacing Marv Albert. There's a legend. And then when I moved to the Islanders, I was replacing another legend, Jiggs McDonald. So I kind of knew what I was getting into, but I think if I had an advantage, Jay, it was because by the time Murph retired, in 2000, uh, at the end of the 2003 season, I had been pretty firmly entrenched as a Mets broadcaster on, on various platforms, either as a pre and post game host with Mets Extra beginning back in 1987, then as a TV voice for the cable package on the old sports channel, and, uh, and then, of course, as Gary Cohen's partner for a couple of years on the radio broadcast. So they knew who I was, and thankfully they didn't throw, the, throw me out and lock the door behind me. How, how tough was it, you know, like from 95 to 03, you were doing TV, and then they asked you to make the change, you know, um, that you work with Gary for a couple of years. Was, was it a tough transition for you to, you know, to go from TV basically just to radio? In some ways it was, but I'd been well prepared for it because most of the time that I was doing the TV package, the cable package, um, someone or other in the Mets hierarchy was kind of letting me know that sooner or later Murph was going to retire and they just wanted me to always consider the possibility of doing more radio. And then as Murph really began to cut his schedule down, Mark Chernoff, who is the program director at WFAN, asked me, even while I was doing some games on television, to consider doing some more games on radio. So they really had plotted that next step out for me. But I have to admit, it, it was a really daunting thing because at the time I was still doing a full Islanders package, so that took care of the winter, and I had never done, effectively, a full baseball package. So being asked to do that was a little intimidating. I, I didn't so much mind going from television to radio because my generation of broadcasters all aspired to do radio first, and then we sort of segued into television. Murph also prospered and flourished, even though it was very difficult for him when he was taken off television in the early 1980s. I think Murph became the beloved figure that he was largely because of his work on radio. So it was made a little easier for me because I knew what it did for Murph. Uh, September 21st, 2001, Mike hits the ball the first game back after the 9 limit attack. This ball has a chance. Is that pretty much, you know, did you think it would go 
you know, be a besit so honest with you many years later with those few words? No, never. And the interesting thing about it is that it's only over the last few years that I've reconciled what that call to an extent meant to people. The call was just the conduit to the moment. I mean, people were watching because I was doing TV at that time. So people could see what was happening. Um, It was such a devastatingly sad time in our country's history that I had relegated that moment as something other than a baseball moment because of the enormity of what we had suffered in New York. And it was only over the last few years that I started to grasp how much that home run meant to people. And my call just kind of piggybacked onto it. It wasn't much of a call, really. In fact, um, an old buddy of ours, former traveling secretary and equipment manager of the Mets, used to tease me all the time whenever he would hear a replay of that because, you know, I said, this one has a chance. Well, if you remember, the ball wound up going about 450 feet. So, you know, every time Charlie would see me and hear that call, he'd say, and he had that little lisp, right? He'd go, that's a chance. That's a chance. Howie, that ball is going to the Whitestone Bridge. You think it had a chance? You know? So, <laughs> But you know what makes it a great call, Howie? It, it, didn't, it, it was a very simple call. I may not be – it wasn't you know, a lot of adjectives. With the moment, I think it really struck home with a lot of people, you know, the way my kid it. I just kind of captured the moment for me and for a lot of other people. You know, it wasn't you know, a lot of flowery adjectives. It just captured the whole thing. Well, I- Okay, let me digress on it. To, to uh, a ranger call, Mato M- Mato Mato game seven double overtime against the Devils in right. the in the um, in the playoffs. That's kind of taken on a life of its own too. I know you have met with Mato a couple of times. I mean, become, oh yeah, we taped something last year. You and him become synonymous with that call. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're kind of linked forever because of it. And uh, last year, meaning ninety uh, twenty nineteen was the 25th anniversary of the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. So we did a couple of things together to commemorate that. And um, he and I generally text each other every May 27th, which was the date that he scored that uh, famous goal. And so, yeah, there's a bond between us that we'll share really for the rest of our lives. How, how crazy it been for you? You know, you grew up a Mets fan, uh, went to Cardoza High School, Queens College, and you wind mm-hmm. up broadcasting for your childhood team. I mean, that's got to be a thrill in, in itself, right? It's almost beyond my ability to articulate it, but I'll give myself this much credit. I'm very introspective by nature. So I always remind myself of how incredibly fortunate I've been. Remember, not only to do the Mets, but I was a New York Rangers season ticket holder as well. And, you know, I wound up doing games for the two teams that I grew up rooting fervently and passionately for. And I got to think the odds of achieving that are almost off the charts. And I'm very aware of that and I'm very appreciative of it. And I'm very humbled by it. So I think about that stuff all the time, especially if I'm ever driving through Bayside, Queens, which is where I grew up. And very often, if we have an afternoon game at City Field during the week and I don't want to sit in the traffic on the Cross Island or the LIE going home, what I'll do is zigzag through my old neighborhood, which is... um, Uh, Bayside, Windsor Oaks was the garden apartment development where I grew up. And I get chills when I go through that neighborhood on my way home and think about where I'm coming from, meaning the ballpark and, uh, and what that dream was at its earliest stage when I was living in Windsor Oaks as a kid. What was, what was the first Met game we saw? Do you remember? Yeah. In person, you mean? Yes, sir. Yeah. It was the only, yeah, the only game that I ever went to at the polo grounds. 
was with my dad. I remember the date for a lot of reasons. It was July 6th, 1962. And it turned out to be an interesting game in, in Mets history, even to this date, because it was on that night that Gil Hodges hit, I believe it turned out to be his final major league home run, but it passed Ralph Kiner on the all-time home run list. I think it was 370 for Gil. And what that home run did was put him into the all-time home run lead in the National League among right-handed hitters. All-time. And, you know, that's just one of probably a thousand reasons I can give you why I think Gil Hodges belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, that game also well, featured that's the where first... we're trying for this year, you know, just we're trying to get done. Oh, Jay, I don't know. I, I don't know how we get it done, but whatever yeah, we're, we're I trying. can do to help you with that cause is, um, it's a passionate subject for me. And, and you were, you were about 14 or 15 when the 69th season, how many games did it go that year? Do you remember on top of your I probably, head? yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know the exact number. It's probably around 20 or so. I was 15, and there was no better time, and is no better time, in my opinion, for a sports fan to see his or her team win a championship that around that age, because you still have that wide-eyed sort of uh, feeling about whatever sport it is that we're discussing. And, you know, for me, I just, I put everything on hold, including school, you know, to, to just watch and absorb every minute of that incredible magical run, which can never be duplicated, certainly in Mets history. And so it, for me, was the perfect situation at the perfect time. Last year, some had to be especially, you know, thrilling for you to be on the field, introduce the guys you grew up rooting for as a kid. We had the 50th anniversary of the 69 team. You see all the guys there. It had to be a, a special, even a more special day for you personally, right? Jay, it was so emotional. And I'll take you back. The first time I ever emceed ceremonies like that on the field was in 1999 when they brought the 69 team back for its 30th anniversary. And I was honored to be asked to emcee that. And when I came upstairs, I was doing TV that day with Ralph Kiner. And I'll never forget when I got back to the booth after the ceremonies, and again, this is in 99, Ralph was waiting for me with an almost paternalistic little smile at the corner of his mouth. And he said, so did you ever think that when you were in high school, you'd be introducing the 69 Mets? Yeah. And I said, Ralph, that's all I could think about while I was on the field. And so last year, it was very much the same feeling, but it was also poignant, as you know, because... I mean, you remember the scene when they took the picture and a lot of the guys were standing with their arms around each other. You know, we've lost some key components, and never mind how important they were to the team. They were part of that team. We've lost a lot of people now from that 69 club, and I think there was the realization last year that this was going to be it in terms of reunions. There generally aren't reunions past 50 years, so it was very humbling, and, and there was a bit of melancholy hanging over the air at least for me, as I did the introductions, that marvelous, marvelous day. Yeah, how we speak of melancholy, I, two or three years ago, when uh, Jeff arranged a trip for you and I, uh, we went out to see Tom Seabrew to Vineyards, and once transpired, since it's kind of sad, you know, last time I spoke to Tom was a good three years ago, maybe more than that, and we had a great visit there. He showed us the vineyards, and we had lunch with Nancy, and it's kind of, really sad to speak about the losses i mean unfortunately he and buddy 
uh, have the same kind of thing. It's, you know, it's kind of, you know, time does march on. But that was a pretty special day for me that I know it was for you too. We had some time with Tom. Yeah, Jay, it was an incredible day for me. And, and I have vivid pictures of walking around the vineyard with Tom in my mind's eye. I don't know if, if you felt the way I did that day. But as badly as I wanted to take a few pictures with Tom and Nancy walking through the vineyard and looking at the incredible trophy room that he's got in his house, I just felt it'd be disrespectful, you know? So on one level, I, I, I kind of regret that I didn't take any pictures that day, but I did that out of the you know, utmost respect for both Tom and Nancy. And yet I, I can't help thinking about that day in, um, I come back to that word again, melancholy terms, really. And bittersweet would probably be a better one because, I mean, let's face it, you know, we saw him then and there's a chance we won't see him again, right? So that, that's a kind of hard thing for me. It's hard to reconcile. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. It's, it's a home. I know you had lunch with Buddy a year or two ago, right? I, I, you met him someplace for lunch? Yeah, we had lunch at his favorite diner. With Buddy Harrelson. Yeah, we had lunch at his favorite diner out in Hop Hog. This is... Um, very late September of 2018, just before the end of that season, and I was um, I was pleasantly, I shouldn't say surprised, but I guess that's probably the applicable word because I went through dealing with my dad who suffered from that many, many, many years ago, and you know the progression and you know how difficult it is sometimes to, you know, for the person afflicted with what Buddy is, which is Alzheimer's, you know, it's hard for them sometimes to to, to put their thoughts in, in the proper fashion. And, and they know it, you know, and you see them struggling with it. And, and again, you want to be respectful. You don't want to help them through a sentence necessarily. But occasionally Buddy would need that. And yet, you know, he, he never broke stride once he got back on track. And it was the same buddy, the same gleam in his eye. And I'm, I'm happy, and I, I hope you feel this way too, when he came back last year for the 50th anniversary reunion. And so at that point, it had been fully seven or eight months since I had last seen him. He didn't seem to change much at all, which is good. Yeah. And, um, and I hope that, you know, he's maintaining at least that same level of consistency, even though we know that it's a tough road. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping to get him over to the stadium uh this year, sometime to just to let them know we we still care. You know, one thing that amazes me uh, is that I'm supposed to be the club historian and whatever you are. And you run rings around me. When I bring the alumni into you, you have notes that I even heard. Of. Oh, please! How, it's just, I mean, a photograph of mine. I mean, you know, I'm, it could be the most out of the way guy. You remember stuff from 30, 40 years ago. I mean, I, have you always been able to do that? Or I know you don't. You know, is it just? It just comes naturally to you? Well, you know what, Jay? It's a labor of love, to be sure, as as this entire project is for you. And, and you're doing just such a phenomenal job in reconnecting the Mets to their alumni. And I know that as much as the fans appreciate it, the former players appreciate it even more. They've told me that to a man when they've come back. So, you know, you should yeah. win some kind of award well, for what you've done to revitalize the Mets alumni. But, you know, in terms of in, in terms of my ability to remember certain things you mentioned from 30 40 years ago i do that a lot easier than i do the stuff from last year or the year before the year before that because when you're young these events and people make such an impression on you it's it's indelible and it's everlasting so you know some of that i can refresh by you know going back and 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 sort of checking some things but you know for the most part that's organic and natural and i happen to remember it because in most cases 
I saw it in real time. And those players are a big part of the Mets lore, and they made an impact on me as they have for so many others. How we were about to embark on another season, you know, from, um, since really 1995, through like your 25th, almost 25th year, I think, straight broadcasting. You still get excited when opening day comes? Yeah, you know what I do, but I sure like it a lot better uh, when it's the regular season than spring training. So, yeah, the, the excitement will be there for sure on March 26th when we open up at City Field. Yeah, I got you. Last question. Um, gave up the hockey a couple of years ago. My, my question to you is, uh, now if you concentrate on golf, are you going to go on a tour anytime soon? And what's your handicap? I'm going to go on the tour of losers because um, <laughs> th- there is no worse golfer in the history of the state of Florida. And I'll give myself this much credit, okay? I'm 66 years old. I'm a relative beginner. I've only started to play in the last couple of years. I don't play during the summer. My handicap is a 31 which I have taken down 10 strokes this winter. So I'm proud of that. Good for you. I've really improved a little bit. But um, I would still say the most endangered species in Florida are worms <laughs> on golf courses on which I'm playing. Hey, listen, I just wanted to thank you. You've been a really helped me get adjusted to my new role. You've been a big booster in the alumni program here, and we really appreciate your support. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And thanks again for the time today. Okay, okay. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate your time. You got it, brother. Thanks, okay. man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.